this is Black Wall Street Chronicles, and we're back at it again. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to my podcast. Uh, currently, uh, President Trump does not want to concede after it seems that he is going to lose the election. Uh, he's getting in contact with his lawyer, former Mayor Rudolph Giuliani, and they're talking about doing lawsuits. Uh, yeah, so basically today I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the real election results. Uh, I'm going to talk about um, uh, what's going to be next for our country. So before we get started, I'm going to give you guys some church announcements. Yeah, so my YouTube page for this podcast and, you know, gaming content that I have is Payne308TV. It's P-A-I-N-3-O-A-T-V if you want to see video live streams of my podcast. I'm also registered in IMBD. Um, My name is Jeffrey Frazier. So, if you have an IMBD account, you can um, look at, uh, you can discover my name, Jeffrey Frazier, and you can give my content a rating. I'm also on the uh, Instagram, BlackHage840. If you go on BlackHage840, you'll basically see all of my um, information bios. You go to my bios and you see all of my information. So, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get started. I'm going to basically read some articles and I'm going to respond to them. Give me one moment. and Emily Cochran. Republicans back Trump's refusal to concede declined to recognize Biden. Senator Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, slammed Democrats were expecting the president to quickly concede and said that he had every right to pursue legal challenges. Leading Republicans rallied on Monday around President Trump's refusal to concede the election declining to challenge the false narrative that it was stolen from him or recognized president-elect Joseph R. Biden Jr.'s victory even as the party divisions burst into public view. Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, the top Republican in Congress, threw his support behind Mr. Trump in a sharply worded speech on the Senate floor. He declared that Mr. Trump was 100% within his rights to turn to the legal system to challenge the outcome and hammered Democrats were expecting the president to concede. In his first public remarks since Mr. Biden was declared the winner, Mr. McConnell celebrated the success of Republicans who won the election to the House and the Senate, but in the next breath he treated the outcome of presidential election 
based on the same balance that elected those Republicans as unknown. President Trump is 100% within his rights to look into the allegations of irregularities and weigh his legal options, said Mr. McConnell, the majority leader. Let's not have any lectures about how the president should immediately cheerfully accept preliminary election results for the same characters who just spent four years refusing to accept the validity of the last election. In Georgia, where the continuing vote count showed Mr. Trump losing the state's electoral votes, Senator David Perdue and Kelly Loeffiter, both Republicans now facing January runoffs to keep their seats, took the extraordinary step of calling of the state's top election officials to resign, declaring Georgia's handling of the election an embarrassment, citing vague failures and an echo of Mr. Trump's evidence-free charges of stolen votes. They said Brad Raffensperger, the Republican Secretary of State, had failed the state. Mr. Raffensperger bluntly rejected their calls, declaring the senator's claims laughable and suggesting that they were merely disgruntled because Mr. Trump might lose and their jobs are on the line. The intra-party feuding understood how political considerations around Georgia whose two Senate contests will likely decide the control of chamber two weeks before Inauguration Day, are driving Republicans' calculations about how to handle their election results. Republican leaders are reluctant to make any move that might alienate Mr. Trump's loyal supporters and hurt their candidates' chances. That includes appearing to bow to the reality that he has lost before the president himself is ready to do so. There was a little sign on Monday that that would happen in the near term. Mr. Trump teams rolled out his latest legal moves to challenge the outcome in key states. And in Washington, Emily W. Murphy, a Trump political appointee and administrator of the General Services Administration, refused to formally recognize Mr. Biden as the president-elect with a letter of entertainment, leaving the country's transition of power in flux. Unperturbed, Mr. Biden plunged ahead with the transition operation that was quickly getting off the ground. In Wilmington, Delaware, he announced the creation of a COVID-19 advisory board and made an urgent plea to Americans to wear face masks to slow the spread of the coronavirus. He fielded a call from the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of Canada as allegiance advisors worked quickly to begin lining up the candidates to fill top agency posts. It doesn't matter who you voted for, where you stood before election day. Mr. Biden said after meeting with the advisory board, it doesn't matter your party, your point of view. We could save tens of thousands of lives as everyone would just wear a mask for the next few months. On Capitol Hill, even as many Republicans privately conceded that the president's claims were outlandish and mostly avoided to repeating them. Their public statements suggest that they have no intentions of forcing Mr. Trump to accept defeat and begin preparing to hand over the reins of power. They appeared intent on standing by him for a variety of reasons, hoping that the legal process might lend more authority to the final result or that Mr. Trump might simply give in without an intra-party fight. 
It is the election is not over until the votes are counted and the legal challenges are decided. Senator Leslie Graham, a close ally of the president who was re-elected to the South Carolina seat, told reporters, that's why I would encourage the president not to concede. Only a small group of independent-minded Republicans who records of breaking with the Mr. Trump said that they have seen enough. Senator Susan Collins of Maine, a moderate who last week resoundingly won re-election in the state that Mr. Trump lost, congratulated Mr. Biden as the president-elect and stressed the need to begin a transition. Still, even she has said that Mr. Trump should be given an opportunity to challenge the results and urge Americans to be patient. I know many are eager to have certainty right now, Mr. Collins said, Ms. Collins said. While we have a clear direction, we should continue to respect that process. Mr. Trump and his allies intensified their baseless claims that fraud had wrongly titled the election in Mr. Biden's favor, filing a new lawsuit challenging the results in select countries where Mr. Breyer won in Pennsylvania. The following was preceded by a combative press briefing in the president's press secretary, Caliph McKinney, and the Republican National Committee chairwoman. Ronald McDaniel alleged that the state election was improperly conducted. But much of the event included rehashed versions of the arguments Mr. Trump's team has been making for days, including the false accusation that Democrat-leaning election officials had barred Republican observers from the critical counting rooms. One point, Fox News cut away from the briefing with the host Neil Cavallo telling his audience, I can't in good content, conscience keep showing you this as he noted that Mr. McKinney had not presented any evidence for her charges of Democrat rigging. Earlier, the Michigan court rejected a Trump campaign filing challenging the results in the state, calling the motion defective because it lacked several recreational pieces of information, including any evidence. Yet on Capitol Hill, Mr. McConnell and many other Republicans were keeping alive the possibility that Mr. Trump might have legitimate claims. Their approaches were consistent with the way Republicans in Congress have handled Mr. Trump for the last four years, declining to explicitly challenge or contradict the president's false claims without necessarily echoing them either. Rather than openly refute the false assertion that the election was stolen, Mr. McConnell said, said that this process will reach its resolution. Our system will resolve any recounts of litigation, he said. But he also took the opportunity to torture Democrats, saying that they had no right to expect that Mr. Trump would quickly concede. At this last time last week, small business owners in the cities across America were boarding up their windows in the case of President Trump appeared to win far left mobs decided to rise their summertime rioting. Mr. McConnell says, suffice to say, a few legal inquiries from the president do not expressly spell the end of the republic. Democrats were outraged. Following Mr. McConnell's on the floor, Senator Chuck Schumer of New York, the minority leader, said flatly that Joe Biden has won this election fair and square. He called Mr. Trump's claims extremely dangerous, extremely poisonous to our democracy, and warned Republican leaders not to give him oxygen. 
Republican leaders must unequivocally condemn the president's rhetoric and work to ensure the peaceful transfer of power, Mr. Schumer said. A group of 30 former Republican lawmakers, including former representatives Carlo Kubos of Florida, Barbara Comstock of Virginia, Dom Coleman of Missouri, and Bob Inglis of South Carolina, joined a letter calling on Mr. Trump to concede and accept the results of the election. We believe that the statements by President Trump alleging fraud in elections or efforts to undermine the legitimacy of the election are unacceptable, the group wrote. Every vote should be counted and the final outcome accepted by the participants because public confidence in the outcome of our election is bedrock of our democracy. Few elected Republicans have voiced such views or even offered the traditional recognition of Mr. Biden's victory and call for the country to move forward. In a statement Monday, Ms. Collins joined just a handful of House Rep- Republicans and just three other Senate Republicans, Mitt Romney of Utah, Lisa McCausey of Alaska, and Ben Sass of Nebraska, and publicly do so. He loves this country, and I wish him every success. Ms. Collins said in a statement, Presidential transitions are important and the president-elect and the vice president-elect should be given every opportunity to ensure that they are ready to govern on January 20th. Other Republicans focused and said on defending what they described Mr. Trump's right to pursue legal avenues. Although some gently suggested that the time had come from his campaign to substantiate its claims, pressed on Monday, senators pointed to the 2000 election whose outcome remained uncertain as a pro-law legal fight reached the Supreme Court. As precedents for refolding a concession as court challenges moves forward, they argued that voters, not the press, decide the election outcome. There is, a, there is a process that is unavailable, and I won't begrudge the president for availing himself of that process. Senator John Coven, Republican of Texas, told reporters on Capitol Hill, but in the end, they are going to come up with some facts and evidence, but that's not my job. That's the campaign's job. And that is the article by the New York Times about President Trump not conceding. Hmm. Now, I'm going to go back and because it says here the Republic, there was a Republican state senator. Hold on. Even in which the president's press sect and a Republican. basically it they president trump is trying to um you know trying to get them to say that the election counting is illegitimate but the problem is is that he has no evidence 
he has no evidence that basically shows that um, there was a rigged election. So, until there's no evidence, he lost. But who knows? Um, in the next couple of months, this thing will change. Like, um, I think this whole election is a dumpster fire. Biden begins transition plans in Trump's refusal to concede by Meg Wagner and Melissa McKayam. I'm reading an article from CNN. Biden will deliver remarks on the Affordable Care Act tomorrow as SCOTUS hears arguments. President-elect Joe Biden will deliver remarks on the Affordable Care Act Tuesday afternoon as the U.S. Supreme Court is set to begin hearing arguments on attempts to overturn President Barack Obama's signature health care initiative. The event will take place around 10 p.m. in Williamton, Delaware, and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris will join Biden. Some context. Tuesday's case, California v. Texas, centers on the consequences of Congress' actions in 2017, zeroing out the tax penalty for Americans who failed to obtain minimum insurance coverage. That individual mandate was intended to encourage more people, especially young, healthy individuals, to buy insurance and spread out the cost of care. The ACA was held by upheld by the Supreme Court in 2012, when it was broadly challenged as a violation of Congress' power to regulate commerce. Chief Justice John Roberts cast the crucial fifth vote to uphold it, saying the individual insurance requirement is part of Congress' taxing authority. Now that the penalty is taken out, the new arguments are being brought by a group of Republican attorney generals led by Texas and backed by the Trump administration. Despite their public rhetoric backing President Trump's fight against the election results, top Republicans recognize that there is little chance of outcome to be changed and hope the court fights will be resolved quickly. Several senior Republicans told CNN Monday evening that the Trump is in the rights to make his case court, but the senators were all either doubtful about Trump's chances of overturning tens of thousands of votes in several key states. I wouldn't say they agree with the president that there was mass voting fraud. He got every right to go through the process, and Senator John Corrin, a Texas Republican and member of the GOP leadership, right now it looks like an uphill climb for him to be sure. This could be over pretty quickly. Axis President Axis Trump should concede if his lawsuits fall short, Corrin said. Unless he's got some evidence that will change the numbers. The numbers are pretty compelling, but I don't think that we're there yet. I personally haven't seen any, said Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, the most senior Senate Republican when asked about widespread voting fraud that could change the election. But that doesn't mean there hasn't been some. I would have no way to go behind what I know and what I just know that I haven't seen any, but they could be fraud. The message was consistent among a number of Republicans who don't want to break the leader of their party who won more than 71 million votes. But they also see the reality of Joe Biden is on the way to the White House. We are going to scrutinize the system. 
Senate Judiciary Chairman Lindsey Graham said of mail-in voting, we're going to accept the court's results of court decisions and vote totals, but now not stopping. When asked if Trump would accept the loss in the courts, Graham only said, I will. Graham also said that he spoke with the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to up a joint committee to investigate mail-in voting. We need to put this new way of voting under a lot of scrutiny. Said it's something to think about, but he is more worried about keeping the Senate. The president's uphill legal fight has put Republicans in an awkward spot, especially as some in their party, like former President George W. Bush, has begun to refer to Biden as the president-elect. I think I've said all if I'm going to say about that, says Senator Roy Blunt, a Missouri Republican and member of the GOP leadership, when asked if Biden should be called president-elect. Hmm. Interesting. So, because there is a conservative-led Supreme Court of the United States of America, they automatically want to overturn Obamacare. Here we go. Why didn't that damn woman, uh, what's her name, Ruth Ginsburg, why didn't that woman, you know, retire during the Obama administration? Why she did that? Well, I, I have an episode about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. If you look at my podcast listing, you'll see it. How Ruth Ginsburg is not as progressive as everybody says she is, but I'm not going to really get into that. If you want to listen to it, you have to go on my podcast listing and you'll find the episode. Attorney General Barr tells federal prosecutors to look to an unsupported allegation of voting irregularities. This is by... This is uh, from CNN's Yvonne Perez. This was like an hour and 49 minutes ago. Attorney General Barr reminded federal prosecutors Monday that they should examine allegations of former irregularities before states move to certify results in the coming weeks. Though the nation's top federal law enforcement official did not provide any indication that Justice Department has come up with the evidence to support President Trump's claim of massive fraud in the last week's election. In his memo, Barr notes that while most allegations of proportionate election misconduct are such a scale that they will not impact the outcome of the election and thus investigation can appropriately be deferred, that is not always the case. Furthermore, any concerns that a vote actions taken by the department can inadvertently impact the election are greatly minimalized if they exist at all. Once voting has concluded, even if election certification has not been completed, he wrote. Barr's letter to criminal prosecutors broke a days-long silence that he has been awkward as Trump as his campaign lawyers had previously held news conferences and filed lawsuits that have been devoid any evidence of widespread fraud. Trump says voting irregularities explain why he's behind in states he would need to win re-election. Trump has refused to concede defeat to Joe Biden, a clear winner based on vote tallies. 
justice official says no one asked the director Barr to issue his memo. The purpose of Barr's memo is unclear, since prosecutors already know their responsibilities to investigate vote fraud and other irregularities. But it could serve the perp to provide the president some indication that Barr and the Justice Department are working to find the evidence that Trump and his campaign so far haven't produced. Barr told prosecutors in his Monday memo, I authorize you to pursue substantial allegations of voting and tabulation irregularities, irregularities prior to the certification of elections in your jurisdictions in certain cases, as I've already done in specific instances. In his memo, Barr notes that in most cases, alleged fraud isn't widespread enough to make a difference in the election as election law experts have noted in the case of the last week's vote. Barr has been described by some justice officials as obsessed with the idea of vote fraud in recent weeks. He has repeatedly inquired on the efforts by prosecutors to look for signs for fraud, justice officials say, and he has also inquired about the possibility of sending federal offers to polling stations. Though he was advised that federal law prohibits sending armed federal officers to guard the polls. Hmm. Yeah, these guys don't want to concede at all. Let's go back and see. to political.com I hope there isn't a paywall let's see I have to expand good 100 alright this is political.com Trump campaign invited sir conceding is not even in our vocabulary right now president has refused to acknowledge his election law since the race was called for Biden over the weekend. Jason Miller, a senior advisor to President Trump's re-election effort, and Monday that the campaign was not remotely considering conceding to President-elect Joe Biden after Democratic nominee was declared the winner of 2020 White House race. The word is not even in our vocabulary right now, Miller said in an interview on Fox Business. We're going to pursue in these legal means and all recount methods, he said. We're going to continue exposing and investigation all these instances of fraud and abuse and make sure the American public can have full confidence in these elections. Trump has refused to concede since the election was called for Biden on Saturday after the former vice president flipped the clean sing states of Pennsylvania and secured more than the 27 electoral votes needed to claim victory. As of Monday morning, Biden had won 290 electoral votes to Trump's 214 and maintained his lead in the traditionally Republican stronghold of Georgia. But Trump has continued to push his base of claims of Rospet voter fraud, going so far as to accuse polling firms of voter suppression in a series of tweets Monday night. He did not explain how an opinion poll could su- suppress a vote. 
his campaign has also kept up his election-related legal challenges in several states. The litigation of other more political options aimed at reserving race outcome are reviewed by experts as substantial, extraordinary, unlikely to succeed. Elaborating on the Trump's campaign strategy, Miller said Monday that the election administrators will be heading to automatic recounts in Arizona and Georgia, that a recount in Wisconsin is also likely. Although Georgia officials have announced that a recount in the state will take place, Arizona's Secretary of State has suggested a recount there will not proceed. Trump's campaign said last week that it will request a recount in Wisconsin. Miller's also raised the possibility of additional lawsuits in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and other states that could be filed in the coming days. We're talking right now about the 2020 election. We're talking about President Trump, but this is more than even about the entire future of elections in America. This is about election integrity, Miller said. We can't get this right while we ever think we're going to have confidence in these elections going forward. In another interview Monday on Fox Business, Trump campaign's communications director Tim McDonald refused to say whether the president will concede. I think the law says I'll recount provisions in the also avenues for legal recourse and the president owes to the 70 and a half million people who voted for him to pursue all those things Mittal said Mittal claimed that the campaign will find evidence of improperly harvard ballots in georgia during the state's recount prices and predicted trump's would win outright in arizona a state that has already been called for biden When we have high confidence that the president pursues his lines of legal recourse, including the recounts in Georgia and Wisconsin at least, we do not feel like there's a runaway for the president to win and win re-election, he said. Mokhtar also disputed reports that Trump plans to headline large-scale rallies in the aftermath of the election, saying there will be instead be smaller grassroots events such as bullfightings and protests of the election results. People are upset, he said. Hmm. This guy really doesn't want to concede at all. Alright. Here's what I'm going to do. Hold on. Same thing, New York Times. See. I'm gonna read this article from ABC News. Give me a moment. Trump's White House laws be silent as he refused to concede. Almost all congressional Republicans have not congratulated Biden. Again. Ben Gisselson. As President Donald Trump refused to concede he lost re-election, 
The lame duck president remained out of sight Monday while his White House advisors largely stayed silent. For the president who was revel in fighting his enemies, real and perceived, the relative silence for his top deputies, aside from his certain loyalists like his personal attorney and son, spoke volumes. Trump himself had no public events scheduled after spending the weekend golfing and tweeting falsehoods about election results. He has not taken questions from reporters in a week and save for remarks on Thursday in which he has made a series of false accusations about voting fraud has not spoken publicly. Vice President Mike Pence on Monday signaled publicity that he has stranded by the president tweeting that he has told his staff in a meeting. It ain't over until it's over, and this ain't over. Nobly, Pence did not repeat the president's baseless allegations of widespread fraud on his claims that he won and that the Democrats were trying to steal the election. The carefully worded show of support, as well as a walk outside the White House in full view of the television cameras, came after the days of relative silence from the vice president. Aside from a few tweets about the economy, the coronavirus vaccine and Republican congressional wins. He has not appeared publicly with Trump since they took a stage at the White House party early Wednesday morning when Trump declared falsely that we did not win this election. The only other time Pence had weighed in in Trump's allegations of fraud was a short tweet on Thursday. I stand with President Donald Trump. We must count every legal vote. In sharing a request from Trump's campaign asking for donations to protect the integrity of our election. Pence on Friday participated in a call to raise money for a fund that campaign set up to pay for his electoral legal challenges, and last week met with advisors of both campaign headquarters and the White House. According to the senior administration official, the campaign has the legal fund is also being used to pay down his debt. As Trump took to Twitter to reject the reality of his loss, I won the election, he wrote, incorrectly and on Sunday. A cautionary of loyalists fanned out the, across the country leveling basis claims of voter fraud. But the group, whose most prominent members included two of the president's sons and his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, has so far failed to find any significant legal success and instead spent much time harboring members of the press. In a written statement Saturday, Trump said that beginning Monday his campaign would start persecuting our own case in court to ensure election laws are fully upheld and the rightful winner is seated. As of late morning Monday, his campaign has not filed any new suits. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, who tested positive for the coronavirus last week, has remained silent. Trump's White House Press Secretary, Kevin McKinney, took a respite from her official role briefing the public and instead used her personal Twitter account to echo her boss' baseless claims of fraud. The White House Communications Director, Alyssa Farah, struck a different tone over the weekend, tweeting Saturday. There is more that unite us as a nation than divides us. One White House Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Meadows focused on GOP congressional wins, while two others, Judd Deere and Brian Morstern, toured economic news instead of claims of the voting 
both residents. The door to the White House press office remained locked later than usual on Monday morning. McCain told ABC News that she did not think Trump will speak, but added, you'll never know. While the West Wing largely held its tongue over the weekend, the First Lady Melania Trump did issue a message of support for her husband after a report that she was urging him to concede. The American people deserve fair elections, Melania Trump wrote. Every legal, not illegal vote should be counted. We must protect our democracy, which complete transparency. Likewise, the president, Republican allies on Capitol Hill have publicity voice has publicly voiced support for Trump's legal fights with most Republican members of the Congress holding off from congratulating Biden. While President Trump refused to accept the election results, President-elect Joe Biden forged ahead with the presidential transition on Monday, announcing the makeup of his own coronavirus task force and plans to meet with transition advisors. He was also scheduled to deliver remarks on the pandemic ending on economy, according to his transition team. By not conceding, Trump appears to have so far prevented federal funds stated for the transition from reaching Biden's team. The U.S. General Service Administration, which by law decides when the rules is attained, had on Monday so far not determined that Biden had won. Keeping those funds and access to U.S. federal agencies for the president-elect and his team. Hmm. Messages and congratulations for from across the world, including Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who Trump has counted as a close ally on the international stage. Others like President Vladimir Putin and Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro have held off. Okay. This guy does not want to concede. Now, in this article, I learned, well, we learned by listening to this article that because the president ha- has not ex- conceded, that means that the pre- he is preventing the president-elect from receiving money. Hmm. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a couple of articles from the Washington Post. Uh, Give me one second. I'll be with you shortly. Washington Post, Barr clears Justice Department to investigate alleged irregularities. Policy reserves so likely to cause criticism amid Trump's unfounded claims. 
Attorney General Ron Petra on Monday gave federal prosecutors approval to pursue allegations of vote tabulation irregularities. In certain cases, before the results were certified, it indicated that he had done so in specific instances. A reversal of long-standing Justice Department policy that currently drew criticism for fueling unfounded claims of massive election fraud by President Trump and other conservatives. The two-page memo comes as the Trump campaign and his allies have urged the department to investigate their claims, despite little evidence that such fraud exists. Justice Department officials have previously conferred that they're looking into the allegations in Nevada and have referred to other information out of the Michigan to the FBI. In its memo circulated for two days after the results show former Vice President Joe Biden had defeated Trump. Barr seems to take aim at previous guidance from the Trump's administration election crimes bench that said prosecutors should not, in most instigate, take overt steps in fraud or, fraud or related investigations until after election results are in and certified. The guidance was designed to ensure that voters and state and local election officers, rather than the federal government, decide the results. But Barr wrote that the previous directive was never a hard and fast rule, and that a passive and delayed enforcement approach can result in situations in which elections misconduct cannot be realistically be rectified. He also noted that concern about the Justice Department influencing election were reduced one voters had finished casting ballots. Given this and given the voting in our current elections has now concluded, I authorize you to pursue substantial allegations of voting and vote tabulation irregularities prior to the certification of elections in your jurisdictions in certain cases, as I already done in specific instances, Barr wrote. Vanta Gupta, the former head of the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division during the Obama administration, who is now president of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights, said that memo amounts to scaremongering that will allow officials to send letters or take other public steps that might suggest there is voter fraud in a particular state, when in fact there is none. This is totally predictable. It's DOJ scare tactics again. It's the same show we saw before, Gupta said. Barr is probably doing this because Trump is demanding that he do something. But the voters decided the election and overwhelmingly voted for Biden. Matthew Miller, a former Justice Department spokesman during the Obama administration, said, There's no justification for doing this now. The best case scenario is that Barr did this to appease Trump and add credibility to his allegations of voter fraud, Miller said. The worst case scenario is that the DOJ is planning to intervene in some way and try to overthrow the election to the president. Neither one is good, but one is much worse, worse than the other. Bob Burrow, a Biden campaign attorney, said in a statement partially quoting Barr's memo that it was deeply unfortunate that Barr chose to issue a memorandum that will only fuel the special speculative, fanciful, or far-fetched claims he professed to guard against. Those are the very climate claims that the president and his lawyers are making unsuccessfully every day, as their lawyers are laughed out of the one court after another, Barrow said. Barrow's move came the day after the chairman of Senate Judiciary Committee wrote to him urging an investigation and possible improperity in Pennsylvania. On Sunday, Senator Lizzie L. Graham sent a letter to Barr and FBI Director Christopher A. Ray. 
asking them to investigate claims that a postal worker in Erie, Pennsylvania, that there was mishandling of mail and ballots by postal supervisors there. I urge you to investigate these claims as soon as possible, Graham wrote. It is imperative that the American people have confidence in the 2020 election and all other elections. The expansion of voting by mail has placed post office at the center of the election and we must ensure the entire postal system operates with integrity. A Justice Department official said it was reviewing Graham's letter. The official said Bars had not been asked to send a memo by the White House. Bars director was heavily canvassed and did not offer new evidence of substantial election fraud. He did not identify the specific instances in which he had authorized prosecutors to examine allegations of old tabulation irregularities. And he noted pointedly, nothing here should be taken as any indication that the department has concluded that the voting irregularities have impacted the outcome of any election. Barr also limited the cases of prosecutors might be to, able to open under the new guidance irregularities, if true, could potentially impact the outcome of a federal election in an individual state. Any investigation of claims of irregularities that, if true, would clearly not impact the outcome of a federal election in an individual state should be normally preferred until the after-election certification process is completed, Barr wrote. Before Monday, the department has taken only modest steps to investigate fraud, despite significant pressure from the Trump campaign and his allies. Last week, for example, lawyers for the Trump campaign sent a letter to Barr alert, oh, alleging voter fraud in Nevada, where they had claimed to identify more than 3,000 people who voted improperly because there was some evidence to suggest they move out of the state. But state officials soon pushed back on the claim saying one of the those voters may have been serving in the military a justice department official speaking on the condition of an anonymity saying at the time the department of looking into the matter but declined to comment further similarity republican national committee chairwoman ronna mcdaniel last week said that she has sent claims to the Justice Department about the election workers in Michigan being told to backdate certain ballots. Though he conceded the allegations were not fully vetted, a Justice Department official said that the information McDaniels provided has been revved to the FBI through the FBI declined to say what, if anything, it was doing. Justin Levitt, a former Justice Department official who is now a professor at Latoya Law School in Los Angeles, said Barr's memo is really about marketing. Levitt noted that the Justice Department is very limited in its ability to stop vote counts or disqualify ballots, and that there is little serious evidence to suggest voting fraud. You should absolutely expect an investigation or two to be announced probably in Pennsylvania, and you should take it very seriously. As the announcement of Trump's lawyer, Rudolph Giuliani, gave last week at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping in Philadelphia, Levitt said. The memo says to U.S. attorneys, if you want to engage in a desperate attempt to get attention, that's okay, but unfortunately, the public should not take the announcement of such investigation seriously, Levitt said. Before Monday, the Justice Department had is issued just one public statement on Trump's broad allegations of fraud. 
Carrie Kubrick, a Justice Department spokeswoman, told reporters that the Department of Justice pursues all accountable information it receives as is always the case, encourages anyone who success a federal crime to report it to their local FBI office. The Justice Department had reaffirmed its long-standing policy of not taking overt steps or possible election fraud before results are certified as recently as December 2017, when it issued a guide telling prosecutors not to conduct overt investigations, including interviews with individual voters, until after the outcome of the election allegedly affected by the fraud is certified. But more recently, the department also issued guidance offering prosecutors more leeway, particularly when misconduct by federal employees such as postal workers might be an issue. In Monday's directive, Barr seemed to defer to his subordinates, telling those to whom the memo was addressed. You are the most senior leaders in the United States Department of Justice, and I trust you exercise great care and judgment in addressing the allegations of voting and vote tabulation irregularities. A serious allegation should be handled with great care. Speculative, speculative, fanciful, or far-fetched claims should not be a basis for initiating federal inquiries. The director was sent to U.S. throughout the attorneys throughout the country, as well as the head of the Justice Department's Criminal Division, Civil Rights Division, National Security Division, and the FBI director. George Tellerweller, Tellerweger, what a name, who served as Barr's Deputy Attorney General in the George H.W. Bush administration, is now in private practice, said the memo struck him as business as usual. Is meant to remind prosecutors they need not stand by if the suspect fraud is occurring. Oftentimes, there's a unique opportunity to collect evidence or refute it for that matter. While it's ongoing, there wouldn't be there two months later, Taylor said. So basically, looks like um, the government is going to follow through with Trump's claims, even though, according to the article and according to the individuals, even though they feel that Trump's claims is false, it seems that they're still going to go through with the investigation. Yeah, give the man a common courtesy, I guess. Whatever. I think he lost. talk about this last thing and then I'm going to sign off on the show. Ben Carson tests positive for coronavirus. Oh no. I hope he doesn't die. You know, I may not agree with this politics, but that guy is like, man, he's a phenomenal neurosurgeon. I hope he doesn't pass away. HUD secretary diagnosis comes as White House faces another outbreak. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Ben Carson told the Washington Post that he's feeling terrific after testing positive for the coronavirus. 
I really came with the symptom yesterday, fever of 101, chills, muscle cramps, respiratory issues, and fatigue, Carson said in a phone interview Monday afternoon. Carson, who tested positive Monday morning at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center after experiencing system was in the White House last Tuesday for an election night event as the White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, was tested positive for the virus. Carson was around senior administration officials and other cabinet members during the event. Okay, I already, I thought I already logged in. Excuse me, apparently there's a paywall. again. Ben Carson tests positive for coronavirus. The articles by Ben Therese, Tracy Jan, and Sue Ming King. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Ben Carson told Washington Post that he's feeling terrific after testing positive for coronavirus. I really claimed down with the symptom yesterday, fever of 101, chills, muscle grams, respiratory issues, and fatigue, Carson said in a phone interview Monday afternoon. Carson, who tested positive Monday morning at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center after experiencing system, was at the White House last Tuesday for an election night event as the White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, who's also tested positive for the virus. Carson was around senior administration officials and other cabinet members during the event. attendees at the election night party said that they have not been contacted by the White House for tracing purposes, even though they were in a room with Meadows and Carson. Angie Hughes, Carson's chief of staff, said in an email to her staff that Carson is resting at his house and is already beginning to feel better. Anyone who's been in contact with Carson last week is in the process of being notified, Hughes wrote. All precautions are being taken. Close with Baker, Carson's deputy chief of staff, said in an interview before election night, 
Carson was traveling in his personal capacity on behalf of Trump campaign and has not been in recent contact with agency staff. Carson has not stepped inside the agency since October 26, Baker said. Carson told the Post that he contracted the virus probably somewhere out of there in the universe, but it's not certain how. I was on a bus tour last week. I was in the White House on election night, and there's multiple possibilities, he said. Carson, a retired neurosurgeon and a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, has been protographed mingling in indoor gatherings without a mask, despite saying in the past that mask wearing wears a difference in reducing transmission of coronavirus. I think you have seen an increase in mask wearing in those ceremonies, Carson said. You see a lot more masks now. People are becoming convinced that masking is good, but I'm most concerned with therapeutics. Let's get this thing under control. Let's not let it control us. Carson Dianos comes days after news of fresh wave of coronavirus infections in the White House, but Meadows and five other Trump aides receiving positive test results time around election day. Around a month later, Trump and other members of the family and the circle tested positive. Another outbreak rolled the White House later in October when it is at least five A's or advisors to President, Vice President Prince were affected. Acts to access the Trump's administration response to the pandemic, which aides and allies say helped doom his re-election bid Carson refrained from criticism even as the United States surpassed 10 million coronavirus cases Monday. I am kind of shocked at how many people said that they've done a terrible job, he said. It is actually pretty good. Can it be better? Of course. Anything can be better. We always learn. It is called a novel coronavirus for a reason. It's new. Then he appeared to echo Trump's claim of immunity from the virus now that he's been diagnosed. It's gone now, so I'm very happy, Carson said. Theoretically, once you had it, you have immunity, but I don't think that's fully been worked out yet. Yeah. Oh, Dr. Ben Carson doesn't get sick. The reason why I voted for President Joe Biden, one reason and one reason only. Because I don't like how cavalier, I believe they mishandled the coronavirus pandemic in in the way that they have been acting. The way that they have contracted the coronavirus all through the White House shows me that they're not taking this situation very seriously. So anyway, thank you for listening to this podcast. Um my podcast i'm gonna talk about something different next week again go to my instagram which is blackkage840 okay it has my twitch it has my twitter it has my facebook page and i'm gonna put more things on there thank you very much and i want you to enjoy your night god bless